0: 82, one day at a time, day number nine, it didn't look on paper like it was going to be a cracking day. But let me tell you folks, it wasn't. That's not the point though, we've got a great show for you, <laughs> stick with us, have we lost them all? Did they switch off straight away? If they press, please bar- don't press the we've got an amazing show for you. Mick Foley, how are you?
1: I'm very good Rob, how are you?
0: I love when paper aligns
1: with reality. <laughs> Do you really, yeah? What I don't you know. Say? Just done this. Say it again. When paper aligns with reality. Yeah. What does that a, even what mean? What paper are you reading?
0: What were well, you it, on about? It, on you know the way people say on paper it didn't look like a good game. <gasps> oh, so reality aligned with on paper in this case. You know what I
2: mean?
0: I have you now? Have you now? It's, it's, right? it's not a joke
2: explainer <laughs> of. It's not a joke It's not a joke, it's, <laughs> it's
0: just a comment on like, uh, Kiran O'Hara, how are you? Buenos dias. Buenos días indeed. Um So, yeah, well, we've got three games for you, but we have a special guest and that's brilliant because Felix Healy from the Northern Ireland squad of 1982 is joining us. Our first big guest who was there, Kieran.
2: Yeah, and the only player from one of the domestic leagues ever to make an appearance at a World Cup. So look forward to that one. Fabulous mm-hmm, really?
1: player. I, 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 remember Felix playing with Derry City some years later. Derry City were my first. Like, even though you know I'm a Cork City fan, obviously where I'm from, but Derry City in the late '80s were the team that really caught the eye in Ireland because
2: they, they had a couple of foreign players. There was, yeah, huh? They, they, huge they care. Crowds following them. Like it was they yeah, had they had enormous Harnler, crowds. They had Alex Christich and yes, all these guys. But they had Jonathan huge Speak. crowds following them.
1: They really did, and they had they, they had just. Just fabulous players, and Felix is right there in the middle of it. Not what would you be saying? Six, seven, maybe six years after playing at a World Cup? You know? I mean, this guy was a he was a serious player.
0: They play in one of those grounds. There are certain places you go and watch sport and you're like, yeah, this is a this is a football ground, you know, mm. they play in the Brandywell, which is just, some of our listeners may not have come across it in their time, but it's, it's just a beautiful place for football. They love their football there. So yeah, it's going to be great to chat to him. Coming up today as well, Algeria, back straight from the glorious upset of West Germany. What could possibly go wrong against Austria, Mick? What could possibly go wrong?
1: Nothing. We're so excited. I was oh, so excited to watch to up the up game. It's a tonic double. It's going to be great. If they're on they're on a roll, what could possibly go wrong? They are not they are no longer the surprise pack of the tournament. They're 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 vying to be the team of the tournament.
0: And France are one Kuwait defeat from being knocked out of this tournament. And let me tell you something, they'll have to score twice because Kuwait score once. That's that's the only giveaway I'll give you. Mm, did they do it? We'll find out from Kieran a little bit later. But first up, game number one of the day. Yes, it is the giant killers from round one against the uh Giant fun killers. Algeria 0, Austria
2: 2. So here's the thing, Rob. 1982, you're sitting at home. Again, two games on at the same time. The- um. Which are you watching? Are you watching this, Algeria and Austria? Or are you flicking over the... France to see the French flair against Kuwait. Which is your choice? Uh, for me, I
0: have to say I was always one for. If I saw a game was going to be a bit one sided, I would have gone for Algeria Austria
2: because I was just one to see. I wanted to back it up, all see the what they're going to do. And and I mean, all
1: the make. way. The, the thing
2: about this as well is like the TV coverage. We've we've been marveling at the Canadian coverage with <laughs> Stanley Matthews. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: but he never spoke like that. Like. Never. No, but that's it. It doesn't matter. I mean, mean he, he you know it
2: looks like a Thunderbird <laughs> in, in the clips That's, that's the honor. It's that's it, it. It, it. looks like Stanley Matthews by Jerry Anderson, <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> Jerry Armstrong, who we'll get around to later on. But I mean, the TV coverage is interesting from the time. Um, I found one of those pages in a Shoot where they're going through Britain's other World Cup team. Oh, fantastic. Any idea who might have been on the Beeb and ITV teams at the time?
1: Um, well, well, I, well, Laurie McMenemy was on, on the Beeb, certainly.
2: Funny enough, so didn't make their team. <laughs> oh, really? They should have picked an 11. Oh, they picked an 11. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry.
1: Oh, all right. So it's like, OK, great. Gotcha. Well, well, Cluffy has to be there. Yep. Center forward. Center forward. Is George, is George Best a pundit?
2: He's not listed here. Okay. Now, um, uh, they say is with ITV in England, <laughs> as if that was the ITV in England. England. Yeah. Um. Rob, any thoughts? Jimmy Hill. Does uh, Jimmy Hill get in that? Jimmy too? Hill is at right half. For-, oh, right. for BBC TV and England B. England B that's very pointed playing uh, where he was spent mainly in Division 2 with Brentford, Brentford and Fulham but Jim has been strictly a top flight operator ever since <laughs> brilliant oh, I'll
1: tell you who has to be in goal Bob Wilson has to be in goal absolutely
2: right? nailed on beating great Scotland the ex-school yeah. teacher had a successful career with Arsenal and gained two Scottish caps before turning to TV where he works on Grandstand and Match of the Day he's one of my favourites all time He was a a smooth Presenter wasn't he Yeah he was good
1: Yeah Reliable low stager Bobby Robson
2: Bobby Bobby Robson Was on the
1: beep I remember seeing uh, him In the World Cup final
2: Hasn't made their team my
1: goodness. He played in the 62 World Cup. Are there
0: like, non-British uh, uh, and, you know, Great Britain? Like, so anyone from the Republic of Ireland, like, did you Liam Brady I mean, make the BBC
2: coverage? The giveaway was in Britain's other World Cup team. Yeah, oh. stop
0: it. You know what they haven't
2: to. done that thing Just that we all get so <laughs> risen about <laughs> <laughs> they, they claim well, Liam Brady or... <laughs> <laughs> but, sure he's the, he is. Actually, Probably. Bobby Charlton has to be there, right? Bobby Charlton is there, outside left, BBC TV and England. Yeah. Jesus, I think I, I, yeah, think I on, did Rob. better
0: in the 1982 top top of the pop quiz. This is kind <laughs> <quite> of <a> shock. <laughs> Who had an over and under? Rob Robbie yeah. better than that. Yeah, the
2: <laughs> question is, do you reckon his brother makes the team? Oh, Jack. Uh, of course he was there with ITV, wasn't Centre half for ITV and England. Yeah. How's that? The brothers and, and Rob, rival TV stations.
1: Uh, I tell you, I tell you, always with the friction. Hey, you mentioned Ron Atkinson, Rob. Yeah. He's got to be in there. Ron was a he pretty tasty be. player, wasn't
2: he, back in the day? Nope. Hasn't made their oh, 11. Jesus this is competitive, I have this to say. Who, who are we missing? Uh, okay, I'll run through them quickly because we don't... Oh, Keegan. Oh, no, Shakegan's no, at the word. <laughs> <world. laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we definitely don't want to see the whole episode, so. <laughs> At right back, John Bond, ITV and England Ah. B, a player with West Ham and Torquay before turning to management with Bournemouth, Norwich and now Manchester City. Mm -hmm. At left back, Jimmy Armfield, BBC Radio in England, an outstanding player and captain for both Blackpool and England and not without success as manager of Bolton and Leeds United. Frank McClintock, left half. All right, okay. okay. This is getting Scotland, deep now. Twice a Wembley loser. God, does that line sound heavy when you see it like that? <laughs> In the cup nice. uh, with Leicester, but captain of Arsenal's double team of 1971. Hmm. Uh, Ian St John outside right. Ah, the saint of course. ITV in Scotland after a long career with Motherwell, Liverpool and Scotland, Ian tried management and coaching but without success. The success he had as a player, he settled for work on TV and can be seen each Saturday on ITV's World of Sport. Well,
1: that was going to more that, 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 that was going to turn into something else, wasn't it? He was only getting warmed up on TV. He
2: agrees is the next person on the team. Inside right, mm. ITV in England, a world-class goal scorer with Chelsea, Spurs, yeah. West Ham and England. Not forgetting a spell with Milan. Funny, I had forgotten that spell with Milan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just filling out our team in the omissions, Dennis Law, inside left, mm, ITV yes. in Scotland. Dennis Law's international career spans 17 seasons, making his final appearance in the 1974 World Cup Finals.
1: Well, wow, that brings back memories like of watching ITV's big match when there was like five minutes of preview before the kickoff. And that was it. There was no more analysis. That was you got five minutes before the game. Match starts. half time, Ads. Come back. Dennis Law says a few things. We have another ad break. and We're back to the game. And it was five minutes after us, And then Bullseye comes on. That's football coverage. Yeah. With,
2: with a set behind you that seems to be carpeted. Well, if they weren't you at the ground. They would carpet TV sets as opposed to the floors.
1: Make it cosy, lovely stuff.
2: They probably had a little
1: Superstar in the corner as well. Just nice. Anyway, Just lovely stuff.
2: And that's the end of that digression, Rob. Off with you. Algeria and uh, which which of the Central European countries are they playing? It's Austria.
1: Who's uh, Ustad-
0: I mean, they 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 have a very small storyline. This work I, I I don't even think we'll hear about them in the next round. <clears throat> well, well yeah,
1: anyways, I doubt Nick. it. I doubt it. I doubt it. Based based on this performance, no. I say based on this performance. I actually, I enjoyed bizarrely uh, Austria versus Chile in the first set of games. Yeah, just it was as a, a decent game. Yeah. It was crazy. just, a, yeah. And it was, and it was, it was a, it was a fight between two very evenly matched teams. And it was a really, it was a bit of an epic towards the end. Um, but the Austrians come here and like, they play very well in Fairness, and I say this. I, I mean, I might I might sound like you know I've got a I've got an issue with the Austrians. My only issue with the Austrians is that you, <laughs> they have a few decent players, but they're kind of boring. They are just striking me as a, in, in in a World Cup full of color. They're a bit they're a bit monochrome, even though I quite like their red jerseys in this game. How but could, could you
2: find hands crankle? Okay. All right, okay, okay. So
1: there's always there. one. There's always one. Look, there's always two. Actually, hands crankle. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Hans Krankel not just great Austrian goalscorer, yes. who people of a certain age will remember playing centre forward for Rapid Vienna against Everton in the European Cup Winners' Cup final some years after this. How could we forget? Yeah, yeah.
2: after he returned from Barcelona.
1: I, indeed, indeed. But also, yes, recording artist Hans yes. Krankel yes. Oh, he couldn't be known as Johann K in popland, Karen. That's how you'll remember him.
2: Birth A pop is all
1: to do with Hans Krankel I, hey, I, pop. I can't get this song out of
0: my head. Can we drop it in?
1: Yeah, let's have some let's, of it. Come let's, on, let's go. Let's have us taste of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> At the
2: end
1: of a
0: wedding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm absolutely, utterly lost for words. <laughs>
1: giving it socks. I have to say, yes. I have to say, there are two, there are a couple of recurring themes in this, in this podcast series on World Cup that I'm liking. Number yeah. one is sex, right? There's a, there's a lot of infidelity and there's a lot of infidelity and effect acting going on around the and rock and roll. Or Hans Junior, the various, the various international football, the, the team songs we've kind of, the boys and
2: Boys and hungry it's all right but, but that, that uh, like, I'm trying to think that sounds like you know when you'd see a show where they take his the out of heavy metal that's what that sounds like it, 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 that sounds like it could have been in a bad part of the Rocky Horror Picture Show have you seen the artwork in the
1: front of it's something else it's the song by the way for everybody who's going to prefer it. it's called Lonely Boy yeah. it got to number two in 1980. now I presume number two means number two in Austria. Yeah,
2: right? so or a chess uh, or something. But yeah, <laughs> I'm this, just... guy, this guy is like this guy's a
1: superstar in Austrian football. I, I can't. I, what can you compare it to? now? that would be like it would be like Harry Kane having a musical career on the side. <laughs> That's all I can. I, it's it's as good as I can compare it to. Like it's pretty decent. I, I swear yeah. to God, this tournament just gets better and better. Like I, know. I thought the Austrian team had yeah. peaked. With Walter Shackner's blonde perm and and blonde moustache combo for Austria. But no, <laughs> no, sir. Now just, we uh, just, have Hans Krankl superstar.
0: I kid you not, because I have all this on my screen in the background. Walter Shackner just walked across the shot just as he said that. And I went,
1: wow, it's sensational. It is how, pretty how sensational. Do, it's like it makes Bonnie Tyler's haircut co- look That's conservative. It.
0: It does. Do you think she modeled? Do you think she was just sitting in a maybe in maybe she was on tour in Canada and she caught TSN and he was on it? I think that's what yeah. happened.
1: Maybe she was just got she stuck on Stanley Matthews and, and say, hey. yeah. Stanley
0: Matthews and yeah. Hey,
2: yeah. Stanley Matthews,
1: Stanley
0: Matthews, Thunderbirds, uh, uh, Mick, save us. What happened in this game?
1: Oh, well, listen. Uh, what well, here's here's he really
2: amount if you're honest.
1: <laughs> Well, listen, yeah, well, let's start with what we hoped would happen, right? What right. we hoped was. That Algeria would come with the yes. same daring, do and vigor, and and yes. exciting, dashing football that swept past West Germany. Yes, I think maybe what happened, and from reading what they said afterwards, they kind of got caught up in the moment a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they knew that if they got any kind of result here, there were signs on for the second round, but they kind of went, they kind of went into their shell a little bit, which was not mm-hmm. good for them. But on top of, of that, they, they were just playing didn't, for a draw. I don't um I think both teams sort of started start out that way. Um and then the Austrians get a break in the second half. They get a goal from the aforementioned Schachner. Uh and that kind of that kind of frees them and it makes Austria or sorry, Algeria even go more into themselves and start making mistakes, and they miss a couple of real sitters towards the end. They could have got them back into the game. I just think they I think they possibly overthought what was coming, you know? I think they just they just start thinking, but Rob, you mentioned it there. Something weird happened at the start weird. of this game, and I don't know what it was. But yeah. for what it's worth, here it is. Maybe someone out there knows what happened. So you're watching the TV, the the TV coverage, and you, you can just see a very quick shot of a supporter running kind of past the Austrian team as they're they're lining up to have their photograph taken. And then okay, everybody lines up to kick off, and then the camera cuts to this. Um, Guy, an Algerian fan who I think down by the sideline with the Algerian management and stuff with like a headband on and he's got his hands out and it's like he's praying or he's saying a few words and then more time passes and the crowd is starting to whistle and the Algerian team come to the sideline and they quickly go back up again and they kick off really fast and it's all very freaking weird and it takes about seven or eight minutes to go on I don't know. What do you do? You have any idea what happened? I just, the
0: only the way I can I describe it, it's almost like he's waiting for a message. Like it's like he has an earpiece in, but we know he doesn't. And they're all just waiting for him for news from another ground or something. You know, it's that kind of like he's oh, channeling it's, it's they to know sales I like it. It's almost how
2: like France Kuwait game had started so
1: Maybe. maybe. Well, unless there were certain, unless it was a scheduling. But this dude came from the crowd. Like this yeah. dude came from the crowd, and then so I don't. Know, it was all a bit weird. I and mean, I set the
2: tone for what followed for the next twenty odd minutes. Just on that premise that it might be someone from the TV company. Mm. It does happen that, you know, if there's a technical difficulty in a broadcast that you Mm. will have a floor manager run out and speak to the ref and go, can you hold for a couple of minutes while we plug back in that (laughs) cable? Thanks. I don't think that's happened here, but maybe it's a coincidence of two
1: things happening, like of a fan running on and maybe that maybe something TV related as well. Anyway, look at it, it's all the one. It is what um it is. it's the, Algeria don't start particularly well. It takes them a while to get into the game. The Austrians are like what they were against the Chileans. They they're they're kind of compact, they're solid, and they have Schackner up front who's a real like the one thing that's notable all right, and this maybe again feeds into the notion that the Algerians overthought this or went away from their natural game. They absolutely assault Shachner for the first five or ten minutes. I mean, he really is, and he's getting no protection from a referee who doesn't really want to know about anything. I mean, Crankley gets taken down uh, early doors for a should have been a penalty, should have been a penalty. So, I mean, I mean, if they score that very early, well, then maybe we have a very different game. No, it's not a, it's that's not a great game. Like, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, I mean you get the second half, um, the goal, the first Austrian goal. It's a good counter-attacking Di Georgi who plays on the wing for. For Austria, it's a good interception. He gets down the field. Uh, Welts, who's come on as a substitute, plays very well, actually, in fairness, uh, has a shot that deflects into uh, Schachner's path.
0: Schachner, again. Uh,
1: Sha- oh, no, yeah, he's he's the standout player in the, in, in the game, really. He's fallen open. He, he gets a pass to keep her off the post in his 1-0. Um, I tell you what's symptomatic again. Balumi, you know, African player of the year. <sighs> the, taken off what? and 2 minutes and 2 minutes later Austria have their second goal another counter attack uh a uh, passed across to Crankle on the left-hand side of the box and a very he, he so it comes across from the right to him on the left and he hits a shot back towards the right again and gets past the keeper 2-0 um uh, Shackner has a chance to clear it off the line straight away afterwards and at that point you're like well you know what they're full value for 2-0 even though you know they haven't exactly blown the lights out but they are full value for their 2-0 and the Algerians have chances after that. There's a, they miss an... Uh, Assad miss an absolute sitter. But they're never... They're never the... Co- he, both. Do you know the way in, in the West German game they were both cohesive and individual all at the same time? They moved brilliantly as a unit, but you had these individual moments of flair that the West Germans just couldn't handle. None of that was present this time.
2: And that m- puts them through their second group stage with Brazil, Belgium, and England. You know, so so you know, there's only four teams through to this complicated group stage that we will get to eventually. The funny thing about the Austrians, and we didn't get much time to talk about them for the last game, is Mm -hmm. they had qualified from a group in Europe with West Germany, (laughs) and after qualification, had sacked their manager Karl Stotz. And at the time, it was felt that this was so that they could bring in Ernst Happel, an Austrian manager of some renown who had been over the Netherlands at the 78 World Cup. And I suspect we'd have seen a different type of team if they had secured Ernst Happel, but he was managing Hamburg at the time, and there's some suggestion that the West German FA kind of went, don't let him go anywhere near Austria if you don't mind. (laughs) Because everything we know about the teams that he's been over that they will play football they will entertain and they will attack and ultimately they end up getting a joint management of two guys that are kind of functionaries within the coach education structures of the austrian fa
1: yeah yeah and it it, and they play that way they're a fairly boring bunch apart from apart from crankle and Schachner's haircut and there's a couple of other decent players. I mean, you know, this is a team that's made a World Cup. I mean, you don't want to be too down on them, bro.
2: And won two games in a row. And won two games in a row. But it is kind of functionary. Like it, yeah, it is. I would love to have seen Ernst Happel at this time in his life over Austria. Like, he only gets to manage them at the end of his career. Like, he gets to manage them in 1992. And he actually dies in the role. So we'll never know what his impact might have yeah. been at that stage. But but this is one of the great managers of all time. Like yeah. He won leagues in several in four four different countries. He's won European Cups. You know, that would have been really interesting if they had actually followed through because I don't think we'd have seen what happened in the next round if Ernst Happel had been manager. That's
0: fine, That's fine lads, but I feel like I feel like I need to defend the Austrians here. Walter Schachner has had another chance on screen here. I mean, just uh, what more do you want from them? I feel there's a bit of like, nah, uh, no, this isn't good enough. And I'm like, come well, on, lads.
1: I tell you, I tell you, if, if you're a team going into the second phase, they're no one of the ones conceded. you want. They're yeah. one of the ones you want. I know, I know. What are we saying? I mean, look. And at, now they
0: can have a crack at West Germany and just open up. They think they just, fair, a
1: just goal. have a go. Free you know shot. what I
2: mean? That's great, just isn't the it? True, yeah. The true football. Oh, to look. Do you know what, okay. You're right. I'm You're right. right. Know You're what? That team is yes. managed by Happel. Isn't Thanks it? Me. Yes. Yeah, that team is yeah. managed by Happel. They're going to take on the West Germany. They well, are. What if they're going to go for it. I'm and really looking forward to seeing that
1: game. That's going to be a free shot. Now, that's one to mark in your diary. West Germany versus Austria, 82 World Cup. That's going to be a
0: good one. And let me tell you something, Mick, and I think you'll agree with me in this. There's no Austrian who wouldn't love it, love it if they could end East, West, East Germany's, West Germany's, any of the
1: Germanys. Just end, they, it. end the They workout. won't stop till they're beaten, I tell you. They will not stop. Yes. Wait for that one. Wait, can, can I be I on sh- that one? Yes. I want to be on that game. I can't see any.
0: You won't even need to read up much on the background. Okay, moving you on. I'm to check
2: the score first, though, because if it's scoreless draw, we should get Colin on that one.
0: Actually, it could be a geopolitical crisis, so we'll get Colin on. That's (laughs) it from this game, unless someone has one last thing to add. God, no.
3: France, 4, Kuwait, 1.
0: France, they open up. They saved their World Cup dream. It was on the line. Kuwait, we're ready to destroy it, is what I'm trying There's to say. no
2: way this game lives long in the memory, is there? No. Well, nah. A Sorry. victory for Michel Hidalgo's France team. There's the no way people the- would still be talking about something that happened in it.
0: No, 40
2: years later.
0: Just check that because it is a 1982 workup. Wait a minute, they are. I say plucky minnows. They're plucky. they must be
2: talking about Michel Platini's goal or Didier Assis's volleyed finish. All forgotten. You'd like Almost to think that. Footnote. Footnote. Was the camel here again? What, what, what happened that people, people... <laughs> It was just of often talk about this game. Yeah, it is one of those football
0: funny videos that you had. Like it was always like whatever reference to nineteen eighty two World Cup. There was a few pointers, and this I think this is one of the oh. things I remember.
2: Oh. Is this the game where Carlos Alberto Pereira is remonstrating to the stand, trying to persuade his boss not to come onto the field? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Tell us a story. Paint
1: us a picture, Kieran
2: paint us the picture God, I know, I, you know if pictures paint a thousand words I don't have the words to describe something as absurd as this there is a goal disallowed in this game what point it, in the game it, well let's face it if the game is virtually over France are in absolute control Against the um, Kuwait side, remember, just
0: to remind people,
2: drew a Czechoslovakian know, we're, we're, game number one. Drew, drew a Czechoslovakian, and we're well worth that result. Yes. So, Sheikh Fahad Al-Ahmad Al-Sabah, president of the Kuwait Football Association. That was um, his only job, I suggest. I, you know, it's our ball, we're going home. Mm-hmm. That was no goal. That was no goal. Um, and, and this all comes about because... Kuwaiti players claim to hear a whistle. It's, it's there. You can hear it. It is there.
0: There is a whistle. Uh-oh. It's in the crowd. In any event, I I've never like It's not relevant, I know, but I did hear
2: oh, one. And and he, he he leaves his spot in the stand where by the way there's loads of cutaways of him long before oh. this in the game. It's like oh, this is yeah. an important dude. Yeah, uh, this
1: no, this I uh, this uh, an important dude, but also um the footage that I saw was from like a kind of a, it was a mix of kind of World Cup 82, you know, that kind of stock footage. The that would have taken film, last... yeah, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. film footage. The film footage, a film footage of the people in the stand. So, it, like, so at this point, France are like 3-1 three, one, three, one up, is it? Three and one up, uh, yeah. yeah, and so the Kuwaiters are getting more and more pissed off with every goal. Like, so, and every time it goes to the stand, these are men, these are men of wealth who clearly came to the World Cup genuinely thinking they could win the thing right? And now it's starting to get away from them a bit and it's three, and they are not, they are not happy. So I'd say by the time, um, was it Alan Gires, wasn't it? Just went through the, the defense completely stand still. Uh, and Gires goes through and just smacks the ball to the net and he wheels away. And the next thing, uh, the, uh, the Soviet referee, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Ukrainian
2: Miroslav Stupar. No, Ukraine.
1: Um, Signals a goal, but yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a whistle and fad comes down and there's a whole sh- it's about 10 minutes of this. There's lads pushing each other around and you can and see French people in the background and laughing. Photographers
2: and, there are at every game because they're all, they and the military are just thronging around them. Oh, and the military are
1: fairly well manhandling some of the photographers as well. It has to be said. They are seriously pushing them around. Like it, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty ugly, it's, it's an ugly and hilarious scene all at the one time.
0: Uh, Mr. Giresse if I pronounced it right, Giresse G- Gires.
1: Gires. Rob. I don't know what that was. Giresse I, I just looked at one of the, the, great, came one the great midfielders of all time, reduced to
2: a freaking what? Giresse
0: 47 caps for France, and I've re- re- reduced him to Greece. Alan Juress gets to goal. Well, you
2: know, Michel Platini is subbed in this game by René Girard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: His world cup goal taken away from him, I feel like that like a footnote, but you know, he only had six goals.
1: Yeah, what look, he, you know, what yeah. I mean, and, and that was a you know, and, and he of was course, the French the,
2: player of the year in
1: 1982, like, he's a serious bit oh, of stuff. you really. remember him in the England game? I mean, I mean, I think. What came off of the, what we learned from the England game was that like this this French team was still coming together a little bit. Um, they didn't quite get the breaks. If they got the breaks, could have won that game, but they ended up losing three one. It Was that sort of thing? But, but obviously the cherry on the top here for anybody who's not aware of how that whole thing with the Kuwaiti uh, football federation president worked out, the referee buckled and disallowed the goal for so. the whistle for the phantom whistle. Now I know you
2: you two guys reckon there was a whistle, right? Oh, there's definitely. No, I, know, like, I it's actually not, there was whistle. the whistle. I, I'm more now going, John Delaney, what were like why did you not learn from this in Paris with Terry? Thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, down to the sideline. Down to the sideline. It's my ball. Come on, lads. Off you come. Yeah. And it you know, justice is served on site.
1: Right there and then. Hold on, right there and go. then. No, Stup- Stupar, by the way, never referees again after this. <laughs> In general. Be, so he he never, work work up. Up. never referees me.
0: Let's have a listen to this here.
1: Wait first.
2: The pass is coming in
0: here now. Who does he assist?
2: Thys
0: or six, huh?
3: Who's that?
2: and he scores okay. I, you you, hear I, I heard a whistle I heard a whistle
1: um, okay.
0: now don't get me wrong we are acutely aware that that's not enough to just allow a goal would you saying there was a whistle
1: they got away with it but you know what let's, <laughs> let's just, just park, park that a little bit yeah it has to be said let's just park that for a minute right? because to be fair right? this is this is I will put it to you that this is the moment when the French World Cup begins, right? Because they haven't had a great run into the World Cup. They've lost their first game to England. And they've come in against a Kuwaiti team that aren't, they aren't shabby. And they win 4-1 with three absolutely brilliant goals. Oh, yeah. Genghini's go yeah. free kick. Then Gires sliding one through for Platini to finish it one-on-one past the keeper. And Didier sees early in the second Not half Cis comes Cis through finish. in a just glorious volley. Yeah. Platini's... Like, so-
2: Touch like his close control for his goal is outrageous i mean that that for me made it worth watching a game that is pretty low on quality otherwise Mm -hmm. the finishes and ceases finishes just special
0: Ciaran, we've done the research on this team. We've done a little bit of background on them in the qualifiers. Know how lucky possibly they were to qualify. Republic yep. of Ireland pushed them all the way. We,
2: many of people who may not remember the page and check out the team that missed the party.
0: Yeah, and many of the people who, who have remembered early eighties football will tell you the eighty four French team they were amazing. But this is this game almost well. I don't go that far. But I, I this think is the this beginning. Is
2: formative for them because if you look at the guys that perform for them on the day. Um, like Marius Trezor is very good in this game. Um, Bossis is very good in this game. Platini just scores beautiful goal. Didier Sees, I really enjoyed watching. Gires really enjoyed watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, those are the um, Manuel Amoros was very good in this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the nucleus of the eighty-four team, really, isn't it?
1: Ah. It is. It is. It is. And they're and they're evolving now. But yeah, it's it's. I I think it's formative. I, I think it's more than formative. I I think this is where it lot starts for them in this World Cup for sure. Like I mean this is it now? I mean, you know, they've got they've got. I wouldn't say they got the break. I mean, they they clearly deserved this win, and they played very nice football. And uh, as Kieran said, there there are fellas there now that, and not even just the superstars. You know, I mean, you mentioned Amoros, Bussies, the... The, the foundation platform of the team is, is starting to kind of maybe just meld together. So they're in a, they're all of a sudden now, they're starting to be getting into a good
2: place. And the one thing I will say is when we think of that 84 team and their 86 World Cup team, it is the goalkeeper that makes a difference or, you know, as they develop mm-hmm. as a team. And in this game, um, is it elatori
1: Jean-Luc ettori
2: yeah Jean-Luc Ettori doesn't cover himself in glory with the Kuwaiti goal no, yeah that's mean. true that's true
0: can I finish on this lads unless you really insist on continuing to talk about what may well be a footnote outside of one thing uh, having known about this like a, if I was the list of six things I knew about the 1982 World Cup the Kuwaiti Prince taking the team off the field is one of those things having rewatched it there it's both entertaining and dramatic, and kind of nothing really as well. It's, it's possibly just underwhelming as a storyline because we've had so many unbelievable
2: storylines. It's pretty underwhelming. Well, yeah, you know those top ten lists that like you always see around World Cups, like top ten biggest World Cups. crazy moments. Yeah, yeah. Like this was in there for so long, and so you're long. just kind of going when you see it. Yeah it's not that big a deal because they got whooped. It, it just was the difference between 4-1 and 5-1.
1: Well, yeah. exactly. Like, France scored the fourth anyway, about five minutes later. But you know what it is, Rob? What it is, it's a little bit like saying, you know, oh, such and such is a great actor. He's a great actor. How do you know? Oh, well, because I saw this film and that film, right? Rather than seeing all 40 films and seeing the garbage that probably interspersed the three or four classics. If you just, like, in those, like, weirdest moments of the world cup you see about 20 seconds of that but how long does that go on for about f- 10 minutes I think. yeah 8 10 you're going minutes. to be pretty shit sick of it but after 10 minutes anyway watching it like we this is the this is the flip side of doing this we have to relive some stuff that no one no one really needs to see ever again and that you know the full extent of that kind of rather stupid um kind of little disagreement on the sideline over a goal whether it was or not let's fucking and I mean they're just they're. I mean they're kind of humiliated at the end of it all by the, the Kuwaitis you know it's, it's, not- it's
0: kind of like one of those tourist attractions you might see on a on a little note to do and then you go and it's like a bush cut like Marge Simpson's hair and then you're like this is just rubbish
2: God where you do you go on holidays go- there is a place in, in
0: Dublin I'm telling you and it's nonsense no, 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 and do not why people care moving on game number three a special guest is coming up Honduras won Northern Ireland won Oh no Mick Oh no I mean you could defiantly defend the Yugoslavia performance in fact you know what like the idea that it was rated at the worst moment of the World Cup and all this kind of stuff it's like what the hell Northern Ireland went to the World Cup drew with a pretty serious side like Yugoslavia fair play to them, but this
1: this is not good. It's hard going. But coming out of that Yugoslav game, I remember saying it on that episode that you know Northern Ireland for everything kind of dreary about the match. It was Northern Ireland. You were saying coming out of that game are improving and are going to get better. And to be fair, for the first for the first chunk of this game, that's proven. And I mean, it, mm. there's a clear change in tack here. They want to go forward and attack. Martin O'Neill is pushed up. Sammy McIlroy has gone forward more. Norman Whiteside has pushed forward. Jerry Armstrong is doing what Jerry Armstrong did so well in the first game. He's running and running and running and making space. They're pushing forward and they get an early goal. Um, and the is
2: happy to give them a hand there as well. Like it's 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 yeah. not a penalty. Oh, yeah. It's it. not a penalty. Whiteside is trying to claim for a penalty. He wins exactly. three just on the edge of the box. Yeah. yeah. It's taken and the wall hasn't moved back far enough, so we're told. They don't have the shaven foam at the time, so we'll never know. Um, And then it's on the second attempt. Now, what I found bizarre about this goal is, is it Chris Nichol hits the crossbar and it comes down. McIlroy puts it in. Yeah. Chris Nickel gets on the end, heads it, it hits off the crossbar, it comes back out, somebody gets it back in again. No, and then Jerry Armstrong's kinda hanging underneath the crossbar and heads it in. But what's amazing is when you see the replay, there's about five Northern Ireland players on the Honduran goal line, and all the <laughs> Honduran defenders are farther out the field. You're kinda going, <laughs> You went two <laughs> practice at this, and you let them get inside you.
1: I mean, and you got to remember as well, like, and there were there were a million quotes and remarks from player and managers at the time about Northern Ireland's difficulty and problem scoring goals. Like, they can't score goals. Uh, we have never had prolific goal scorers, but the men I rely on for scri- for strike power are producing fewer than I would hope for. I cannot make them into something they are not. That's Billy Bingham the day before the game. So, like, to get a goal this early, you know um billy hamilton their their striker throughout history he said it's been a problem now by the way this is one of these quotes where i i wanted to billy i read this and i
2: was thinking this sounds very trap esque around a certain point many years later
1: Mm. what i what i found was when i read this in a received pronunciation accent it sounded Mm. more realistic than billy hamilton's fine east belfast accent Right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do either. But anyway, so throughout history, Stanley Matthews, Thunderbirds era, yeah. Throughout history, it's been a problem for the Irish to score. That's kind of thing, you know. But because we just do not have a sufficient number of highly skilled players, this team is no different. Except in one respect, we don't give goals away. It would be great <laughs> to go out and play all our attacking football, but we would probably get beaten five nil, and nobody would be happy with that result. We are used to criticism, but we're surprised by the intensity of it after holding Yugoslavia, especially from back home. That's another thing, and this goes back to what we were saying before. Uh, again, in the previous episode about Northern Ireland, you know, when you think about Northern Ireland, you're, you're drawn to one particular storyline. That There's tension now and there's there's a bit of sort of uh, d- despair around it. Like they didn't win the game that they thought they needed to win. Um, and they have already been taken flack from home about the style of play and not being a bit more adventurous and so on and so forth. And it's just,
2: it's getting tense and it's, you know, it's a bit uneasy now. And Spain have beaten Yugoslavia the night before. Like the hosts are up Mm. and running. They're going to be playing Spain next. They're now going to have to beat And Yugoslavia, they're probably like, you're probably going to Yugoslavia pick up the points against Honduras. You know what I mean? But I mean, the amazing thing about this is, did we touch on with the last episode with Northern Ireland about the training camp in Brighton? a little bit just they're in terms of like laying the down the law who, Like they're playing the team who've done the mother of all training camps yes yes they are mother, father, yeah. grandfather every ancestor you've ever had of training camps like Mick tell us the story of Honduras World Cup preparations
1: well it's quite something now the Honduran training camp I just I mean what would be a reasonable length of time even in 1982, standards for a training camp. How what were teams doing? Week, two weeks, oh, three weeks. Well,
2: Soviets were doing like a month or six weeks in Portugal, weren't they? You know that kind of feels thing. Like a lot,
1: doesn't it? Six weeks feels like a lot. Like the Honduran training camp began in
2: 1980. <laughs> um, what? what? Say that again. <laughs> the qualifiers weren't playing yeah. in 1981. Which was in I feel like Back to the Future, you know, uh, when he sets maybe, the car no, for 1985.
0: What are we doing in 1980? What
1: the Honduran training camp? I will repeat for those who didn't get it the first time. The Honduran training camp for the 1982 World Cup, even though they hadn't qualified yet, began in 1980. <laughs> now I ain't going to are qualify. These guys serving a prison sentence. Oh, well, it sounds like it. It's described as a military style camp in the mountains, and it's also described that they were taken away from their clubs and their families to this military style camp. It's all in the style of the time, isn't it? The kind of Central yeah. American dictators have just yeah. disappeared to your in training. Their
2: dictatorship in Honduras at the time. Uh,
1: it is uh, it is beginning to disintegrate um, between 1980 and 1982, so they're kind of it's kind of on the way out. Now, the best sense I can put on this, I'm going to apply Occam's razor here. That, that the, the most sensible is probably, the explanation is probably explanation, probably the correct one. I'm going to say there was a rolling camp there that maybe they started. There was always twenty odd players there. Yes, uh, they trained there. They prayed together there, which, by the way, was a very important element of their preparations. They, they, and maybe this is something we can come back to maybe another time. But uh, and they had a psychologist there. Um, it was very, very Spartan. Uh, they mm-hmm. m- cooked their own food. It wasn't. It wasn't in any way luxurious. They ate at a local roadside diner when they weren't cooking themselves. No five star stuff here. Um, but yeah, for two years, they essentially took the best players from the Honduran League, uh, from the clubs, and brought them up to this camp in uh, Valdez Angeles. It was called just outside of Tegucigalpa. Uh, Do you like that? That was the capital of Honduras. Well, I
3: they're
1: well
2: and and uh, uh, hosting. Can't it has to. It, 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 it has to.
1: It has to. And the other, to, to, the other thing to mention, by the way, in case people are wondering, well, how did the clubs let them go? Well, the clubs were, a lot of the clubs were owned by the colonels who were uh, populating <coughs> the uh, government at the time. And the president himself thought it was a fine idea. And in fact, Spain 82 was decreed a project of national interest. So it had that kind of governmental backing to take this approach.
0: Mark that down as one of the places we're going to visit if we get enough Buy Me a Coffee subscribers. Like if it goes through the <laughs> roof, you know what I'm saying? We're going to do on a world tour. In Valdez the- Angeles. Yeah, we're Angeles, going there.
2: Sounds good. Uh, could, I was going to say like we need a top five. But could we even achieve a top five Central and South American countries that do not have a dictatorship at this point? Should be doing
1: well, wouldn't you? You'll be doing well.
2: It just have to go like back every in. time we talk about Central and South America, it's dictator, 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 dictator.
0: But Honduras but, did seem a little bit more stable than El Salvador based on the chaotic El Salvador World well, Cup.
1: Absolutely. And just to bring it back around to the football just for a second. What? Has, what? I know, why? What am I doing? <laughs> <You> <laughs> the, that's <I'm> Salvadoran... Crazy. <laughs> that Salvadoran 10-1, right? That had a huge impact in the Honduran camp because obviously they're rivals, Honduras and El Salvador the match that started the war and all that stuff back in the 60s. Um, in As part of their prep uh, for this game, it was written on a blackboard or whatever, a whiteboard or whatever in, in their in their meeting room. 10. Just wrote 10, the manager. He said, this is, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to be one of the most famous Honduran teams ever to play in this next match. What are we going to do? How, how are we going to be remembered, essentially? So he's pointing, he's pointing to what happened to El Salvador and going, that's not gonna to happen to us. Wow. That was before the uh, Spanish game.
2: I'm taking it his psychologist wasn't traveling with them because I'd have been pointing to the fact that they drew with the hosts. Well,
1: that was before no, the Spanish no, game. Before, 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 before. That was before the Spanish game. Sorry, if I may yeah. did they make that clear. Sorry. That was before the Spanish game. So they go out, obviously, and they they deliver that very resilient performance. And they come again. It's expected that they're going to be tough defensively in this game they're not that tough defensive I mean the north I think one of the big frustrations for the north was that they should have had this game won. I mean Jerry Armstrong yeah. hits the post after the after the goal heading up towards half time and there were other chances. He was brilliant in this game. Jerry in Armstrong Yeah. Superb, I mean look, he's a super player. Wow. loved
2: watching him. But um, could have won the game.
1: Well they finished stronger, didn't they?
2: Yeah. We we'll so, I'm, I'm looking at that and if you're going glass half full you're going we got a point
0: today but I think at the time there was a kind of a condescending feeling across the board Uh, even if you listen to the commentary at half time
1: uh, Gerald Sinstead and Ron Atkinson. Geraldson oh, Gerald Sinstead,
0: of course. But if you listen to them, like, I mean, they're like, Northern Ireland will hope now to get, you know, push on and get a few more goals. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh,
1: well, well. They, it looks like that. It looks like the Hondurans are on the brink of disintegrating just before halftime, but they don't. And they come out a much stronger proposition. And by the end, you know, they are they are testing the Northern Ireland seriously. Pat Jennings is required to play very well. Like, put it this way, right? Put it this way. The headlines the following day, in the, Bell tell, the Belfast Telegraph, Mission Impossible, referring to the prospect now of having to get a result against Spain. Slow motion bore, said the Irish Independent down south. The team completely lost its way, wrote Jimmy Dubois. What a great what a great name from the Belfast newsletter. Um, and the, all the players are devastated. There's talk of a rift between Martin O'Neill and Billy Bingham because O'Neill has been taken off. Uh, apparently with a hamstring injury and it requires Bingham and O'Neill to come out and clarify the situation that no, there's no rift, that yes, I, I had a bit of a tight hamstring, says O'Neill, but I didn't want to come off, but the manager felt assured and Bingham does make the point, he's not going well. So if I had to make a replacement, I'm going to make a replacement. So there's tension now and this this is where the North are at now.
2: And And I think part of that tension is because there's been, prior to the World Cup, an ongoing dispute about bonuses and player appearances and player pools and all this kind of thing and Harry Cavan the from the IFA you know is being accused by Martin O'Neill of reneging on a promise to give them a guaranteed amount like there's friction and we know that some of the IFA officials are close to some of the press so it's it's plausible that you know there's even that tension existing there which all hard? of which might make our next guest, all the more interesting to us, because he came on for Martin O'Neill in that game.
0: Here he is, our first special guest, who's played at the World Cup in 1982. Hopefully not the last. Uh,
2: the reason that we've asked you to come on is we have reached day nine of Spain 82, uh, which was a significant day for you. You became... It was. You became the only player from one of the domestic leagues in Ireland to play in a World Cup finals on this day. In 1982,
3: yeah, it was it was it was quite extraordinary. It was an extraordinary time. I mean, in that particular year, there were there three three Player of the Year awards in, in the north, and and I was fortunate enough to win all three. And it's the, I think it's the only time it's ever happened in the one year. There was a lot of speculation about me possibly going to the World Cup, and then the squad was announced for Scotland, and I wasn't in it. And uh, it sort of was one of those where, you know, right, it's okay. And I never, ever thought I was going to go there anyway. So when that squad was announced for Scotland. But as it happened, uh, the weekend before the Scottish game, uh, Billy Bingham was at the Emmys Cup final in which uh, I'd scored a goal. And he saw me play and there was a couple of injuries. And cut a long story short, I was asked on the Sunday to join the squad. And I think Billy Hamilton did his growing in training and I ended up playing up front against Scotland against Douglas and Cole. And then I got invited to go and play a Testimonial match in England. It was Trevor Francis' last game for Manchester City before he we went to Italy. The following week I was playing against Wales, Ian Russian and Cole at Wrexham. And I'm coming off a pitch and Billy Bingham says, shakes me hand He says congratulations, you're going to Spain, son. And this all happened in the space of a couple of weeks, so it was crazy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. And I'm I'm going to take it crazy. I'm going to take it that at this time, were you were you working full time or because you you were a butcher by trade? So did you have to take time off to go to the World Cup?
3: Well, at at that particular time, I was what they call up here unemployed, doing nothing. (laughs) Uh, Just at that particular time, because. I, I I, had done, uh, I mean I worked as a butcher, and then I went to England uh, and there was a, a bit of a, um, a tragedy, my brother died and I decided to come home and at that time I was gigging, and uh, I was singing away in pants and groups and whatever um, but as, as to work nine to five I wasn't really doing anything so it wasn't the case. I know there was there was one or two other guys like Jim Cleary, for example, with Johnny James, and George The um, left and infield 20,
2: players, yeah, 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 infield
3: players, and they they basically had to ask for permission to go to the World Cup, you know, as as you, as you do, you know, who <laughs> up and and Bel- you know, in, in Harden Harlan and Wolfe and or Shorts and Belfast as it was in that particular time, but I mean, it was a crazy time. All of a sudden, you know, the last the last couple of months, of the season in Korean we were playing the cup final, we were we were heading towards the league, but we were basically training on a Tuesday and Thursday night in Korean and training for forty five minutes and playing five aside for a couple of months. Then all of a sudden, you're sitting in the dressing room and you know, sitting to have a cup of tea with Martin O'Neill and. And Pat Jennings and people that you watched on the television and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was just surreal. There was, there was so much happening in such a short period of time. But back to the Honduras, the, the, the funny thing is, it sticks in my mind. You, you guys are maybe too young to remember an old a journalist, a fellow called Charlie Stewart. Yeah, Do you ah, remember, yeah. Charlie? Yeah. I
1: remember, Charlie. I remember Charlie? Yeah, ah, yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, after the Honduras match, and we're on the uh we're on the tarmac and we're about to get on the plane and this guy nudges me from behind and i turn around and it was charlie Stewart. he was flying on the charter plane with us and he says you can always say that we fella from gary played in the world cup <laughs> and it was, it was it's a thing that always stuck with me and i mean obviously i i, I saw charlie many many occasions after that but uh coming on against Honduras was just it's just amazing to be the the atmosphere in the stadium, which you know you never get. The, as you guys know, you never get the atmosphere on TV that you get when no. you've in the stadium. The atmosphere and the heat was incredible inside the stadium. We we played our first two games at Zaragoza, which is in the centre of Spain, and the humidity was horrendous. And yeah. and I came on, and and you go on your first run, and then you, you try to breathe. You try to breathe, and you take this deep breath, and nothing happens. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just. Uh, it's just uh, the only way I can describe it is just you're sitting in the sauna for 15 minutes. You try to take a deep breath. Your lungs feel as if they're on fire. Yeah, it was, I was. I was just. Del- I mean, and listening to Honduras, I was just delighted to get on because in the first game against Ukraine, I mean, I warmed up, I warmed up, that warmed up so many times. Uh, you know, the Spanish game. They're following Honduras, I me mean, I warmed up that much I Probably used up more energy. One or two of the guys playing.
0: Felix, I'm just wondering. Just watching you coming on the screen here. I've actually in the in the background. I just put it on 77 minutes here, and I see you trotting on. Martin O'Neill's coming off. What what did he ask of you, as best as you can remember, all these years on? Or what were you? What was your role at that stage to try and change the the, the momentum, if you like?
3: Prior to us um, going, you know, I had, a, I had a couple of conversations with with him and. And he was basically saying to me, "Look, I I have had a steady team. The guys have qualified. There's one position up for grabs. It was wide left, and it was a case to be the Norman Whiteside of me. And the said, it's between the two. But but you know, Norman's playing at Manchester United. I'm playing for Co and So Norman was always going to play. But I but I knew from conversations that I had with the that I was going to come on if we needed a goal and if the game plan because Northern Ireland... Was based on everybody. We put up two buses and we <laughs> tried to get in the break. You know, you know, you know. People talking about Mourinho parking buses. The thingy was parking buses before Mourinho was in nappy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's that's very you know, clear. That's I mean, very clear from watching it back.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it wasn't rocket science. You know, it wasn't rocket science. So, so when you guys say what was expected of you? Everybody knew exactly what their role was. I mean, when I when I come on, obviously the game against Yugoslavia. The reason I didn't come on, I understand that now. It was nil-nil. land to be fair, weren't interested. Didn't even try to the play. That, they were typical at that time Eastern Bloc mentality. weren't really interested. were probably more interested in going to Spain and getting some bread and potatoes and everything else. And riddled with. Different factions is, is where the countries now split up. So it was a case in when Yugoslavia uh, when we played Yugoslavia. It was a very poor game, really poor game. Yeah. And and you would have thought, Mike, it's no no, I'm not going to change anything. Let it sit the way it is. And then when Honduras scored and we equalized one each, and because we're playing, playing Spain the next match that he's got to win that game. We all felt that we had to win that game to have any chance of, of yeah. progress. So, so at that stage, that's why I, I was introduced.
1: One of the interesting things about doing this project of going day by day through a tournament is that you get, a, you, get, you get a sense of where teams are at as it goes along. So, I mean, when we look back at Northern Ireland in 82 now, you know, naturally people are drawn towards the Spanish game. And and all that went with that, but it's 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 interesting to look at where the where Northern Ireland were coming into that Honduran game because as you say, the Yugoslav game was poor, um, but but you got the result, you got you, you got the, the scoreless the draw. You've probably answered it there already, but I mean, what what was the vibe even even before the tournament when you were thinking of Honduras? Like, were you thinking, right, that is a game we, we if we're going anywhere, we have to win that.
3: I remember we, we didn't watch a video some days, but it's back in the days before, you know, the guys now they sit down and bore themselves to death watching watching yeah. all kinds of video clips and whatever. They, they, Honduras had one or two decent players. The captain of Honduras was a guy called Gilberto. Uh, and uh, I've actually got his shirt in the house here somewhere. He was playing, he played for the Real East. Madrid at the time. He did indeed. And, and he, was a, he, he was a beast of a guy to you know, what a I mean, he was a big guy. But he was playing for Madrid at the time. They won or two decent players and, and and a draw on the day was a fair result. Yeah. There's a thing that always sticks out in, in my mind is a, a Chris Nichol, who's who's a fantastic guy, really yeah. lovely guy, yeah. really really committed, you know, with the old type centre half. But he's sitting probably an hour after the match and he's sitting in the dress, and you know, guys are doing all this kind of drug tests. Obviously because the dehydration they can't they can't pay for love nor money no matter how much water you put into it and you're waiting there for a couple of hours before you know you know that kind of thing or before we get the before we get the plane back to to Valencia but but Chris Nichol was sitting and you could see by his his body language and everything about him it basically there was this a stance that that's us happened. You know, that's whatever chance we had of of making it to the next stage is gone with that. Hmm. And, and and to be honest, that not, not was a general it was there was a bit of a downer, you know, within the camp after that particular result.
1: And that's the interesting thing. I mean when you look at the newspapers from the time. Yeah, you've mentioned it. There. I mean, Chris Nichol actually is one of the people who were quoted. He's saying, you know, that Honduran goal was like a knife in the ribs. He says, Jerry Armstrong says we should never have thrown it away. We had them on the rack; they were ready to disintegrate. Um, poor old Malcolm Brodie from the Belfast Telegraph is having a terrible time. He just doesn't—he doesn't know. He's—he's—he's <laughs> he's, he's swinging from pillar to post, trying to figure out where he's at with the whole thing. And, um, and there's even—there's even seems to be
3: when the result of Honduras happened. I mean, Martin has spoken about this on many occasions. I'm sure Jerry has as well, and, and one or two others. Yeah. You know, when we beat Spain and qualified for the next round, there wasn't even a hotel booked. There was, there was, there was uproar when we landed in Madrid. And Billy, who liked his liked his fancy hotels, we were we were booked into the airport hotel, <laughs> and and it was it, it it was like you know the Shelburne in Dublin. Mm-hmm. I suppose they, the the Germans were across the street from us, and and they're staying in, in the Shelburne and and and, uh, and we're booked into the Premier Inn, but they hadn't bothered to pre-book anything. But they
1: didn't think we were going to, you know, we were going to progress. And and did you sort of and did, as a squad, did you kind of um, soak a bit of that up in terms of sort of well, we'll see about that? Because I mean, even even Malcolm Brody was saying in his report after the Honduran game, he's he's trying to make sense of what's after happening, and he's kind of he's obviously disappointed that a draw was a result, and he's saying. He writes, a year ago it was doubtful Northern Ireland would make it to Spain, yet here we are, 10 days into the series, and unbeatable. Commendable, I suppose, in the circumstances, those disappointed have failed that far from difficult hurdle last night. Let's, however, keep it all in perspective for the side. So far, has not proved the embarrassment we expected, which, to me, reading it is kind of surprising, because you were not a bad side, like. Well, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to
3: play against Scotland, and the Scottish yeah. team... Uh, you know, the Scottish team, you know, John Robertson, Alan Brazil, John yeah. Wark, Danny Douglas, Danny McGrain, Arthur Olverson, you know, they were, I mean, it was a serious team. The Northern Irish guys had had, they had a thing about them. We did a 40th anniversary thing recently with, with Martin, Pat and uh, Gerry organized, it. but there the, the was a thing about the Irish lads that, that they were hard to beat. When yeah. they really wanted to be they were hard to beat and big pat and goal pulled it out of the hat so many times for the team as well. And but I mean were, I mean Jimmy Nichol was at Manchester United. Matt only he was as good a player as there was playing in the Premier Division. But I mean the boys called him a Rolls Royce. So he was a top player. Your Joe McClellan played for Leeds, top player, Chris Nichols top man. Tommy McElroy, man you. I mean there was guys, kind of, you know, they were all playing. In what is, you know, the first division was the Premiership. Now, Dee McCreary, we give it McCreary, it's often overlooked to put the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He was probably our best player throughout the tournament. And it's amazing when, when you have that kind of thing. It's amazing how you grind out certain results. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of guys who were involved, they would tell you that Bring's the luckiest guy that ever lived. And, and Billy would say, well, I made the own luck and all that kind of stuff. But they, they were hard to beat. One of the game plans was was that, you know, you had Chris and, and, and John McLeod, who I talked about, and John Moniz. I mean, bringing four teams into to crossing the ball from too deep, and the center has would knock would it up. And when they did, they would knock it back to Pat. Everybody would push up the halfway line, and Pat would kick it as far as he could. I mean, that's simplicity. But it's genius in some ways. Because he recognised what he had. The players you have dictate the way you play. Who so you play it against, you dictate who you're playing against, you know, it's, it's play to your strengths and what you're good at.
2: And just for you, because you, you've mentioned that, that so many of them were together for so long, like you, you've you just come in after qualifying yeah. and there's been mm-hmm. a horrendous British championship. Like how did you pick yourselves up after say the Wales result? Do you know the good thing about the Wales match?
3: I played mm-hmm. against Scotland, as you know, and, and then I played up front along with Bobby Campbell. And in the Welsh game uh Bingy picked me in midfield and there was a number of guys that didn't play and there was a number of guys also who played in the West match. It was the last match before before Spain. And there were a lot of guys weren't really that bothered, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, I'm not getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 a bad feel about it. But I was lucky in that I wanted to play. And they yeah. kept giving me the ball. <laughs> they kept giving me the ball, and and the great thing about the one thing about it is 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 that the higher you go in football, the easier it is to play if you can play because you get more time and space. Mm-hmm. That's that's just that's the way that it yeah. works. When I was I was able to play and, and I could pass the ball and, and and go and play, which was great. The worst game was one of those games where a lot of boys were. A lot of there was three or four sitting in the stand because there was a big there's a big meeting afterwards about bonuses to the, I, uh, I was gonna to come, come to
2: that, company. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and and that, and that that was one of the funniest and saddest and uh, unbelievable uh, meetings I've ever been involved in. And uh, I, I, I let Martin O'Neill tell that something. <laughs> Martin could tell the whole story because Martin was conducting all that stuff because it, it was back and forward with the Scottish lads. John Robertson was involved, obviously, with Martin and this, that, and the other. But to be fair, I mean, even even for the lads, everybody that went, all twenty two, everything, all the money was shared.
2: And and that that's what awesome. I was going. That's what I was going to come to is that there was friction between the IFA and the playing group over match payments, but. The players decided, because they put tiers in, so if you came on as a Sob, you got less than someone who had started. But the players divided it all evenly amongst yourselves.
3: What was actually put to the IFA was the same as what the Scottish players had agreed with the Scottish FA. And it got to the stage, without divulging too much, it got to the stage where Martin had to physically go up and write it on a blackboard, okay. Explain to the people in the room okay. exactly <laughs> what the bonus was because they had completely it 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 was it was it was just hard to believe (laughs) and i and you know i'm i'm sitting there and i'm Literally just in the door. I'm go- I've just been told an hour ago. I'm going to Spain, and we're sitting discussing bonuses <laughs> here. And, and, and you know, and I'm saying, "Sweet Mother Jesus, get me out of here!" I don't believe what's happening here in front of me. Uh, you're, you're
2: thinking, how many waste. gigs do I have to cancel here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for folks, it was just. It was just.
3: It, it was just hard to believe that the room couldn't take it in what Martin and the guys were saying to them. And he eventually had to write it on a book. And and it wasn't even a blackboard. I think the board was green or something. We were in the House Hotel in Wrexham. It it was just, it was unbelievable. You know, but but, uh, to be fair to, to, I mean, the guys that cut through the the qualifying campaign, you know, the boys had been, the boys I've mentioned already all been there. But in regards to, I mean, the like, I mean, Martin said this at the event recently, I I mean. and he said, you know, he was telling people directly that that everybody, it did not matter whether it was, it was Pat Jennings, it was Martin O'Neill, it was Jimmy Nichols, Simon McElroy, Norman White said in regards to myself, to Jim Cleary or anybody else, everybody was treated the same. And, and as a alluded to before, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I think that, you know, it, it, they went to the World Cup in 82 and they went to the World Cup in 86, mm-hmm. you know, and, and two World Cups back to back. Yeah, they had some decent players, but they—they they, you know—they they come out of a World Cup group that included England to go in '86. You know? Okay, they may—they may have been you know Bingy's luck again, where where when they played played England at Wembley, the pitch was frozen, the match went ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won, where, where the pitch was frozen and, and made the whole match a lottery and yeah. and of thing, but maybe, you know. It, it, it speaks for itself, but there, but there, there was something about those guys. They knew exactly what their role was. It wasn't over complicated. It was very simple. But everybody knew what everybody else was doing on the pitch, and that was the mo- that's the most important thing.
0: Felix, I'm just interested in it's a very specific question about Pat Jennings, but like he's 37 at this point, And just watching this game, there's a couple of sensational saves. Also, he's just, he's still so athletic. You know, there isn't, it isn't the case of they're just using him for one or two elements of his game. Like he's a phenomenal statistics, phenomenal career. We know club wise. Uh, he was at Arsenal then, I think, and he was with Spurs obviously before that, but maybe just speak about. Pat Jennings, his legacy in in Northern Irish football, and you know, I'm sure he's at that reunion, and he's such a presence. I'm sure.
3: I mean, I remember, I remember the first time I met Pat was in the club and hotel where we were based. It's a very coarse hotels outside like Belfast, and I met Pat, and he shook me hand. His hand was like you know a cold shovel, hmm. and and you know, it's one of those moments. I I can't, you know, when you see him for the first time, and he's walking towards you. It's just I just you know, I remember playing as a boy in the street and one of our you know, the goalkeeper nets was when everybody playing in the street was, you know, Ram yeah. Bobby Charton, Ram Dennis Law and somebody with Pat Jennings and to be actually in his presence. But it's remarkable that Pat played at all.
1: Yeah. Because Yeah, he he very little he, played that year. He
3: ripped his he ripped his groin badly. And to be perfectly honest, there was a bit of a con job with Pat. In the World Cup, because he wasn't fully fit. Wow! But Jimmy McGregor, Jimmy McGregor, who was our physio, was telling Biggie he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, Uh, and he wasn't really fine, but he picked all the (laughs) matches.
2: And he
0: did well. I mean, the saves I'm looking at here, he he looked
2: fine. In this game, he puts one, he puts one, he he saves one that actually they should have got a corner from. And when you consider they got the equaliser from a set piece, that would have been dangerous.
3: Yeah, I mean to be—I me, mean, I know what it's like when you're 37; you've got to grow in. But I mean, his his hemorrhage and how he, how he managed to get himself in any kind of shape to go to, to Spain was remarkable. Uh, but but the guy was was—I mean, just to have him in goal. I mean, no disrespect to, to, to Jim Platt, but but uh, it's you know when Platt's in goal, there's a different mentality. Uh, when Pat is actually in the team, that there is a different vibe about the about the dressing room, and there's just certainly a different vibe on the pitch.
0: Felix, it's brilliant that you had the reunion. Uh, that sounds magic, and and there's been some great programs actually. There was a lovely program that we had there uh, on you from a few years ago as well, and it's just it's superb that it's still celebrated in your part of the world. We're, we're just enjoying rewatching it. We're on the journey, witchy um thanks for joining us it's been brilliant to chat to you love that it was great to hear from felix make and just giving us little nuggets there that you're like hmm you really feel like it's it's every bit the journey that we might have thought it was and more
1: ah yeah and hopefully look we get a bit more of that now as we go along and i mean we're at that point in the competition you know we're you know the, the the second round of of group games is kind of starting, starting to kind of clarify
2: the uh, second round actually the Northern Ireland Honduras so that, yeah. every team has now played
1: two games yeah no, no, so now we have clarity in terms of what needs to happen and you know look tomorrow there's an enormous game tomorrow USSR versus Scotland just jumps out USSR one of the most entertaining teams we've seen so far the Scots coming off of a support performance even though they still got tanked by the Brazilians 4-1 knowing that the in typical Scottish fashion as we've said before like they play so well and now they have to win and they have to, have to beat the USSR to, win. to go forward.
2: And of yeah, course, at they have Poland and Peru as well in a group that, well, well, somebody's got to win eventually.
0: Two points for everyone so far. All draws. Two teams have actually scored, Italy and Peru. Two teams haven't
1: scored, Cameroon and Poland. Hmm,
0: interesting. Please
1: don't, please don't tell me this is the end of Tim. <laughs>
0: Lee, maybe not Northern Ireland as we now know have to win as well pretty much I'm just looking at the standings there's probably some way they can go through if they I win. got a
2: bit of a spoiler alert there in the Felix interview but I oh mean, no and also like is that is that a Roy of the Rover storyline like getting called up from semi professional football oh, like five weeks before or whatever it was yeah, and what a world. He
0: was living in tough times as well, as he as he noted tragedy in his family, and then all the experience and emotion of that, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: all of a sudden he's on on a journey that, ah, man, that he's still talking about 40 years later. Mad.
1: Serious footballer, serious guy.
0: I think Felix wasn't on the pitch long enough, Kieran, to be on our team of the day,
2: but feel free to disagree. Well, he's worth, it. He's worth being put in the mix just because <laughs> he came on to talk to us. <laughs> they, I, we should just put him in. I nearly have him in. I mean, yeah. in Italian ninety, I felt like we should have popped Luba Moravchik into the team over there just for can Put him
1: into any team.
2: Can we put him into one
1: of
0: these teams? I'm sure he's on the fringe of Czechoslovakia. Probably fourteen at this point.
1: Who are we going with? Are we are we putting Pat Jennings in goal? I think we Whoa, give you control yeah.
2: in this episode, Mike, because um, we've kind of been wrestling it back and forth. We, we'll get back to our veto system. Will we Pat Jennings seems to be. Rob, unless you disagree, I can't, like, no. the save, the save that wasn't given as a corner is oh, world what class. What a save. Yeah. I was
0: actually watching that. And when we now also know injured. that he
2: made it with no. a horrific injury.
0: He wasn't fit. He officially, they lied about his fitness and I was there going, my God, for a 37-year-old, he's pretty sprightly.
1: It was wow. I, I thought he was superb. No, I would say Arzu from, from um from Honduras was also excellent. But yeah, good.
0: Cool give it to
1: Jennings. Um the French defense Kieran, I think.
2: Yeah. Today. All of them. Yeah, I thought Amaros, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um Trezor, you mentioned before. Trezor, I thought was superb. 16, yeah. Um I'm, I'm just going to put in a kind word for Jimmy Nicol from the North. I, I, he's had two you really good it. games now.
2: You absolutely he's gonna, had an here because Jimmy Nicol, in the lead up to the World Cup, was worried about losing his place. He'd lost his place at Manchester United. Yeah. He'd gone on loan to Sunderland, but wasn't getting yeah. a game because they couldn't afford to pay Manchester United the loan fees if he had played. Oh, man. He's had wow. to return to Manchester United. And in order to get game time, he's gone to the NASL to play, I think, for Toronto. So I think if you yeah. check the squads, that's... No, you're
1: right. The that's there. our, there's, two, there's two Irish players have done that. Jimmy Nicol has gone there and Dave McCreary has gone to Tulsa.
0: Can I make one point about Jimmy Nickel? He does this emotional rant right at the end of the game on the field at the other players for letting Honduras through for almost getting the winner. That was like, it was was like a movie. I, I was actually captivated by the pictures. I mean, and I just was like, I really like, it was like, I'd look uh, like we we should possibly, we're referencing things that's very niche for some of our listeners outside of the island of Ireland. But Kieran McGeany type stuff, if you know your Gaelic football in
2: in the Republic of Ireland. That that, that probably is why you want him on our team of the day. Because he puts that man in.
1: He's got desire. Um, Hey, and by the way, by the way, personality comes for a lot in these team of the days as well. Agreed. I just loved it. I was just like, is anyone else just focused on
0: trying to defend? It's pretty much what yeah. he was saying in his body. And I was like, yeah, you know what, Jimmy? You and it's
2: nice back. to see two first cousins in a back four. <laughs> is that yeah, what
1: they are? These the two nickels. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Because one was born in England. Go
1: on. Jures, Platini, oh, yeah. Gingini. do all have yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. Um. Armstrong. Armstrong is so good. Oh, I'm looking good.
0: at your team here. You have him in there. Yeah, I'm going to keep him in there.
1: Armstrong, um, up front, we'll come back to Felix in a minute. Up front, I'm going to suggest shock. Yeah,
0: yes, I, I'd, I'd be like annoyed to say, if he
1: didn't. I'd like to say Crankle, but Figueroa, I thought for Honduras was really strong. He was very he good. But I, I defer. I defer if there's a if there's no. A, if there's
2: I'm a... not going to argue that one. No.
1: Uh, we're not. You're. You're. You're not going to argue the inclusion of a Honduran centre forward at this stage of your life.
2: No. In the team of the day. No, a, I think if you've a done a, a half-year training camp, you deserve some reward.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm not happy. No.
1: <laughs> no way. I mean, no, um, what
2: no. a later Betancourt was going off to college in America while the rest of them were
1: uh, lads. Will you, will you make
2: me some time
1: in the last round of games to talk about Honduras because there is much to discuss.
0: Yeah, but also, can I just say as well, like in a world where El Salvador have gone, come to the World Cup as minnows and absolutely minnowed themselves in game one, <laughs> right? Minnowed <laughs> <They> themselves. <laughs> yes, To a pillar. Like Honduras are are playing a cracking World Cup here. Draw with the host in game one. Like, supposedly one of these like teams, like, and look, we're going to be back on the side of Northern Ireland being the underdogs the next game. But this is one of those so-called big teams that we have no right to be on the same field as the the head of the FA of Northern Ireland saying, These teams, Honduras, get them out of the World Cup, get it back to 16 teams. They were get them out of the World Cup.
2: They qualified ahead of Mexico.
1: I know. Exactly.
0: I
2: know exactly. this. Harry
0: Cavan needs to know this.
1: However, 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 there is commentary. We all like a bit of commentary. Mm. In the papers, you know, in the aftermath of the Kuwait game and the Algeria game, that, oh, yeah, these lads are well able to get it up for one game, but uh, they can't do two. They're no good on a hot afternoon in Aviedo. Mm. The World Cup equivalent of a wet Tuesday night in Stoke. Or Zaragata, for that matter. <laughs> the question, The question is now whether these minnows can bring it the last day. Northern Ireland, Algeria, all, Kuwait, all these guys. What can they do? What can they Look, do? Algeria By the way, can I suggest? I think we're short a player. Sorry. Well, I don't think we are, actually. We're i are going to run weak. through it, okay? Yeah. Let me, and I will come to Felix in a minute. So, Jennings in goal. Yes. And then a back four. It's a bit of a full backy looking back four. But anyway, Amoros, Trezor, Bossis and Jimmy Nickel. Um... A midfield of Platini, Guresk, Genghini with Jerry Armstrong out on the right-hand side flaking along and mm. up front, Schachner and Figueroa. I will suggest in celebration of his landmark substitute appearance that Felix Healy is honorary substitute for the team. First, of the day. Go
2: on, go Felix.
1: And he will be coming in for Michel Platini <laughs> with 13 minutes left.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Fair? I like it. Yeah, that was beyond Fair. fair
1: beyond it's fair a, I think our yeah. rules
2: he kind of. gets to say he was one sub for Michelle Platini
1: I'm and well, well deserving of it
2: right that's it from us
0: because like this is only day nine and I think there's 22 of these so we better move <laughs> on
2: sounds <laughs> like you're warning the listeners dear mother
0: of God I mean I'm starting I mean, to realize how long does our journey it.
2: have to be to listen to an episode of this podcast
1: <laughs> I think there's only one way to end this Rob Let's just let's just let's let's just get out of here in a high. Let's all go to the club. And crank up crankle.
2: EP noid gonsala Niman I hope? Me